0: So let me ask you: When you were in school, did you ever have any classmates who were just uh, different, just different than everybody else? I mean, when I mean different, I mean they weren't like the norm, whatever that is. Okay? They they just they wore their hair weird, maybe, or they dressed kind of funny. Uh, or they just kind of act, you know, they were off by themselves all the time, or maybe they were just overly loud, or maybe had that, maybe had a weird laugh or something. I don't know. But did you have any? Some of y'all are shaking your heads because you you probably remember those classmates or friends, or maybe you had that crazy uncle uh, growing up that was just a little different than anybody else. Now, question is, what did you do? Did you talk about um, if you were in school, you probably made fun of that person. Maybe some. Maybe maybe you're here, like I was kind of that person, you know. I uh, was maybe the different one, things like that. But here's the thing: when I ask you if you remembered if there was somebody different in your life growing up, you most of you smiled, and you that person popped right into your head. I remember at IU. Uh, when I was there, there was a guy on campus that used to dress like a woman, and I remember there, would be, there was one night uh, Laura and I were walking on campus and he walked right by us in his dress and bare feet, uh, and you know that was 30 years ago, and I still remember that night when this uh, guy dressed like a woman uh, walked by me, and, and so whether it's good or bad, we remember people who are different, right? We remember people who don't play by all the rules, people who are different than the norm, and things like that. Now, how did you respond to that person who was different? Maybe you ignored them, eh. or maybe you were one of those wonderful souls that befriended them, and you tried to make a friend uh, with that person who was different, uh, or, or maybe you just made fun of them. I, I don't know. Or maybe different stages of your life, different people had different ways. But here's the thing when we run across people who are different than us they make an impression whether good or bad we remember we remember those people who are different than us now weirdly or differently we as Christ followers are called to be different we are called to be different people and Paul if you have your Bible's turn to first Thessalonians chapter 5 Paul is wrapping up his letter. We have, I believe, one more week, and then we will wrap this up. And Paul is wrapping up his letter, and it's written to a church that's, we would say by all measures, a healthy church. They had turned from idols. They were making an impact on not only their community, but people around them because of their love and their steadfast faith. They had some questions which Paul addresses starting in chapter 4 about the second coming of Jesus because apparently that was a central theme of his teaching to the churches. They were wondering about Christ followers who had died and yet Jesus hadn't come back. And so he talks about that. And they were wondering about what about if I'm still alive when he comes back. And so he talks about that. And then they kind of had the question, when is this going to happen? And in chapter five, he talks about that, that we really don't know the times, but we do need to be ready. And, but in chapter five, as he's wrapping this up, he gives us a challenge. And, and we had this last week, but I want to bring this challenge back up. In verse 8, let's just start there, is this kind of a challenge to springboard into what he's getting ready to talk about. He said, but since we, again he's talking to Christ followers, belong to the day. In other words, we know Jesus is coming back, we have eternal life, we see life differently. We must be sober and put on the armor of faith and love on our chest and put on the hope of salvation. So Paul says, you know, here's my challenge. Uh, since you know Christ is coming back, and since you 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 get it you're you're saved you see life through a different lens my challenge for you is to have that hope and that love and that helmet of salvation now all of these commands by the way require a conscious effort because i don't naturally want to love i don't naturally want to act in faith i want to act by sight uh... naturally i tend to be veered towards hopelessness rather than hope and so paul is calling us to be Different Now the Apostle Peter, in his letter, he talks, in first Peter, uh, about us becoming, as the King James put it, a peculiar people. Peter says, we need to be different we need to be a peculiar people people that 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 see us differently now does that mean we talk weird no doesn't mean we talk weird does it mean we wear our hair in a goofy way no does that mean we you know we all wear these you know elaborate or weird clothings no that's not what he's talking about what peter is talking about and paul is that the way you and i act towards people and towards each other should be different than the way most people would act, and hopefully, when people see how we act towards each other, and um, you know, people in our family and those around us, that they'll say, "Wow, that person's different," and we'll make an impression on that person. And hopefully, at some point, we'll have that opportunity to share the gospel because that person says, "What makes you tick?" And so, Paul, as he's wrapping up his letter, talking to a, a good group of people here, he's saying, "Look, okay, I want to. I want you're doing great." I want to push you a little bit more. I want to challenge you to be continue to be different so that people will see a difference. So how does that work? Well, let me just give you the big point here. The way that you and I are different so that other people see that we're different is we have to act with self sacrificing love. And this again is not natural. The primary word the New Testament uses for love, which usually when you see love in your Bible in the New Testament, it's usually this word is agape, which means self-sacrificing love for the good of somebody else. It's the love that Jesus had for us. He self-sacrificed himself on the cross so that we could have eternal life. So Paul says, here's my challenge. I want you to have the same type of love Four other people that Jesus had for you. And if you will act with self-sacrificing love, people will see that there's a difference. And hopefully people will say, what is the difference? How can you be that way? So Paul gives us some challenges here on how to exercise that self-sacrificing love, to put on that that hope and that love and 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 the faith. How does that work? Well, first of all, here's your first challenge. The first group he challenges them to love and us is this love your leaders. Love your leaders. Now, I have to say, this is kind of a weird portion of the sermon for me to preach because it's kind of like, hey, y'all, love me, okay? Uh, so that's what Paul's really challenging people to do, is to love your church leaders. Look at what he says. Let's jump into the main text this morning. Look at verse 12. He says, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to give recognition. To those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you, and to regard them very highly in love because of their work. So Paul is talking about the people that are leading the church. Okay, now let me just give you some the reality about people. All right, me, church leaders, and when I talk about church leaders, I'm talking about elders. I'm talking about deacons and, and stuff. Here's the reality. I'm just gonna be honest with you. We're humans. All right. Pastors, elders, deacons, church leaders, they're, they're humans. We make mistakes. Uh, we struggle with sin like everybody else. We struggle with fear like everybody else. We struggle with doubt and stuff like that. And, and the reality is, here's the deal. You're not always going to agree with me or with Brother Tom, one of our deacons, or with Brother Bobby. You're not always going to agree with your leaders alright and that's just the reality of life and and, and here's the thing your leaders including myself we don't always have all the answers I don't have all the answers you know sometimes people ask me questions I don't know let me see if I can figure it out or try and see what see what God says on that but we don't always have all the answers and sometimes as leaders we say dumb stuff sometimes I mean you know I just say things and and sometimes I drive home like that was so stupid why'd you say that you know because sometimes we just do dumb things sometimes as leaders we make bad decisions happens sometimes we make unwise decisions Uh, and and here's the deal I'm gonna be honest with you all I'm never gonna live up to all your expectations just not gonna do it I can't I just simply can not in fact in my quiet time last week I ran across this list it it was there was an online survey Of what people would expect in the ideal pastor. So here's what people said they would want in the ideal pastor, according to this survey. Number one, they preach for exactly 12 minutes. That's going to be out in a few minutes. They are 28 years of age, but have preached for 30 years. They work from 8 a.m. till midnight every day, but are also a caretaker. They frequently condemn sin, but never upset anyone. They wear good clothes, buy good books, drive a good car, give generously to the poor, and have a low salary. They make 15 daily calls to parish families, visit the housebound and the hospitalized, spend all their time evangelizing the unchurched, and are always in the office when they're needed. And they're also very good looking. All right. So according to the online survey, that's the perfect pastor. Now let me tell you, that person does not exist. All right, I don't care who it is, that person does not exist. And and let me tell you something else. And the reason Paul says, pray for your leaders and love your leaders. Your leaders are on the front line spiritually. If Satan can knock off a church leader, he can do great damage to a church. Let me tell you about a church. This has happened just recently. Um, It was called Mars Hill, it was a mega church. It was planted in Seattle, Washington, right in the middle of unchurched territory planted in 1996 and by the year 2013 that church plant planted in a very non-church area had grown from a small church plant to over thirteen thousand people that attended the church they had uh... they were a multi-site church so they had uh, two, uh... nine campuses in washington state one in oregon one in new mexico and two there in seattle so a huge huge mega church in the year two thousand thirteen this church mars hill baptized more than a thousand people planted 53 churches in India, supported 20 church planners and evangelists in Ethiopia, released 50 new worship songs, gave away more than 3,000 Bibles in the United States and Ethiopia and took in nearly 25 million dollars in tithes and offerings. That was in 2013. And then within just a few months it all collapsed. The pastor was accused of bullying and and being very harsh and mean towards people and as staff members. There were some other accusations that came out. August of 2014, the pastor who was the founding pastor said, I'm gonna take a leave of absence. And then two months later he resigned. And in October 2013, the whole church was dissolved. Gone. That church no longer exists. It's the most apocalyptic thing we've ever seen, but which is in a matter of months. Church of 13,000, all those gone. So here's the thing Satan knows that if he can hit the pastor, he can cause tremendous damage. And I was reading an article about the fallout of that. And and a lot of people have left the faith who were in that church. Some people have come back. But there has been tremendous fallout from that thing. Now, here's the reality. Paul says, Love your leaders. I'm going to be honest with you and I've seen this church leaders can be abusive towards the church I've seen church leaders be abusive towards the flock I've seen pastors be very abusive towards their thing their congregation and again so church leaders are not perfect here's the reality churches are made up of sinners we're all sinners we're all in the same boat together and and here's the deal in a in a in a church like here, we have baby Christians, people who are just brand new to the faith and still learning and, and growing in their faith. We actually, in the church on a gathering on Sunday morning, there are non Christians who think they're Christians. Daddy, you know, my daddy was a deacon, grew up in the church, all that. they, You know, I was raised the Baptist or whatever. They think they're Christians, but they're not Christians. And we have non-Christians in the church. We have baby Christians. And we have mature Christians in the church on a given Sunday morning. But even sometimes our mature Christians can get in the flesh too. Sometimes they stumble. Everybody does. And let me tell you, church pastors can be real jerks. So, there you go. It's okay to laugh. I'm going to admit it. Pastors can be real jerks. Some pastors are immature. Some pastors abuse the flock. I've seen it. I mean, this thing goes both ways. But here's what Paul is saying. He's saying the best defense against Satan's tactic, though, and he's talking to the church, is I want you to love your church leaders. I know they're, they're sinners. are sinners. Sometimes they're going to disappoint you. Sometimes they're going to make mistakes. But I want you to love your church leaders. And again, the way I understand Scripture, there are two church leaders. At, at scripture, two offices. There are elders. This is the Cliff Notes. Elders are those who teach the word. They are in charge of the spiritual oversight of the church. And then there are the deacons who assist the elders so that they help take care of the physical needs of the church and also assist the elders so the elders can do their main thing, which is to preach the word and to equip the Saints and so they're basically those two types of elders in the church and I will say that I believe Warren has two of the best deacons I've ever served with so I uh, you know so that is one thing I will say about Warren uh, because it's a wonderful church so I do love you guys and we do have some of the best deacons ever that I have uh, served with here at the church but Paul's thing is we are to love our church leaders in fact if you go back he says in verse 12 he says give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord now what does he mean by give recognition what does he mean by that well here's the way I understand it so we had President Barack Obama we call him President Barack Obama why because we recognize his office That he attained the highest office in the land. He was the President of the United States. We also have President Donald Trump. Now, whether you like Barack Obama's politics or Trump's politics doesn't matter. We still call them President because they hold an office in our land that we revere. I think when Paul says give recognition, he's simply saying acknowledge your church leaders for what they are, okay? So, you know, a lot of you call me Pastor Jim, and that's fine with me. I'm okay with that. And you know, when you call me Pastor Jim, that encourages me and reminds me of my office, my office is to serve you. My office is to equip the saints. Uh, it reminds me I will be accountable to God for how I lead you. It reminds me that I need to pray for you, and I do uh, every day. I, it, re- it reminds me that, I, that you are in my care, and I am to do my best to minister to you. It reminds me that God has called me to a unique role, that of pastor. It wasn't something actually I sought out. Uh, it's just one of those things that God kind of, this is your what you're going to do. Okay, so uh, there you go. Uh, Challenge me to be the best I can. So when you call me Pastor Jim, that's just a reminder of my office in the church and what I'm to do. And I think that's what Paul means. Again, I'm going to disappoint you at times. I want to make bad mistakes sometimes and things like that. I'm perfect. I constantly live with feelings of inadequacy. I constantly struggle with that of my office, but that's my office. And so Paul says, give recognition. So he says, we are to act with self sacrificing love. And again, a church has a tremendous testimony on how it treats its leaders, and conversely, how the leaders treat the church. We're to act with self sacrificing love. Here's another thing we are to love peace. Look at the last part of verse 13. Be at peace amongst yourselves. Now, here's the thing. Just as Satan wants to destroy the leaders of the church, because by doing so he can really damage the church and its testimony, Satan wants to destroy the church. He loves it when we're fighting amongst ourselves. All right. Satan and Satan plants unbelievers within the church. Now I'm not going to go on a witch hunt here and say you're an unbeliever. Uh, That's between you and God. I'm just telling you the reality. Is in the church, you're going to have unbelievers, you're going to have immature believers, and things like that. And Satan loves to do everything he can to create division within the church. And he'll do that any way he can. I'm just going to be honest. Some of you know, and some of you have been hurt by the church. I've been hurt by the church a lot. Churches can be very divisive places. Now, again, I'm going to brag on our church. I do not feel that way about Warren. I don't feel like this is a divisive church at all, that we all get along, and that's awesome. So, that's one thing I love about our church. But they can be very divisive places. In fact, I thought you might enjoy this. Here are 25 silly things that church members have fought over. These are real things. Because church can be a very divisive place. Number one, there was an argument in a church over the appropriate length of the worship pastor's beard. Another church fought over whether or not to build a children's playground or to use the land for a cemetery. So there you go. We're going to do a cemetery or we're going to build a children's playground. Here's another one. A deacon accused another deacon of sending an anonymous letter and deciding to settle the matter in the parking lot. A church dispute of whether or not to install restroom stall dividers in the women's restroom. They had a fight over that. A church argument broke. A church argument and vote to decide if a clock in the worship center should be removed. We have one back there, by the way. All right, at 11 o'clock it starts flashing. No, it doesn't. <clears throat> there was a 45-minute heated argument over the type of filing cabinet to be purchased, whether it should be black, brown, two, three, or four drawers. These are things that churches have actually fought over. There was a fight over which picture of Jesus to put in the foyer. I don't think he really cared. Uh, There was a petition to have all church staff members clean-shaven. A dispute over whether the worship leader should have his shoes on during worship service. (laughs) There was a big, this is for Tom, he does our finances here, a big church argument over the discovery that the church budget was off by 10 cents. Someone finally gave a dime to settle the issue. A dispute in the church because the Lord's Supper they had cran grape juice instead of regular grape juice and that caused a fight business meeting arguments about whether the church should purchase a weed eater or not it took two business meetings to resolve (sighs) I would have just bought a weed eater and put it on the pulpit and said done good grief and another argument over what type of green beans the church should serve should we do French cut or should Italian Two church, different churches reported fights over the type of coffee. That's for Brother Bobby. In one of the churches, they moved from Folgers to a stronger Starbucks blend. In the other church, they simply moved to a stronger blend, and many members left the church over the fact that they changed their coffee. A major conflict when the youth borrowed a crock pot that had not been used for a number of years. There was an argument in the church whether the church should allow deviled eggs Oh my. An argument over who has the authority to buy postage stamps for the church. A disagreement over the <laughs> a disagreement over using the term pot luck instead of pot blessing, because we don't believe in luck. A church member was chastised because she brought vanilla syrup to the coffee server and it looked too much like liquor. An argument in church over who has access to the coffee machine. Now that one I can kind of get a little bit. Some church members left the church because one church hid the vacuum cleaner from them. Um, major, it resulted in a major fight and a split, so you had the first church of vacuum and the second church of vacuum, I guess. An argument over whether or not to have gluten-free communion bread. a dispute whether the church should allow people to wear black T-shirts since black is color of the devil. <clears throat> a fight over whether or not to sing "Happy Birthday" each week. An argument over whether the fake dusty plants should be removed from the podium or left there. These are real fights that churches have had, isn't that? I mean, we laugh at it, but people get. And that's what, you know what Satan's doing in hell. Yay, yay, because people walk into those churches think like, you people are nuts. A dime serious I mean that's you know it's a horrible example to the outsider in fact when Paul wrote this letter for Thessalonians he's writing from Corinth and it was a church known for its divisiveness and again Paul's challenge and maybe it's cause he had Corinth in mind was Thessalonians look y'all are sinners you're gonna make dumb decisions sometimes sometimes your church leaders are gonna make missteps But I'm telling you at the end of the day be at peace with each other don't let these stupid ridiculous fights Get out of hand. Again, how do we do that? Well, we just love each other with self-sacrificing love. If you want to bring Italian green beans to potluck, knock yourself out. All right? If you want to call it deviled eggs, I'll eat one. All right? So just have. Self-sacrificing love. Our goal is to build each other up. Again, where one church, is, when you when, and there's churches like this where one group is pitted against another church. They're not at peace with each other. They're not going to make a difference because people are going to walk in and say these people are just like what my at my work. These people are just like at the company. What's the difference between these people and the social club? They don't see a difference. And Paul says, Look, act with self sacrificing love. Be different so you can make a difference. Act with self sacrificing love. Love your leaders. Love peace. And love the strugglers. Love the strugglers. Look at verse 14. And we exhort you, brothers warn those who are irresponsible, comfort the discouraged, help the weak. And be patient with everyone. Again, church, we're all made up of sinners. And and again, ideally, the majority of us on Sunday, hopefully, everybody in this room, we're all followers of Jesus. We've professed Jesus as our Savior. We've repented of our sins. We put our faith and trust in Christ. And so we gather here on Sunday morning to sing praises to God. Maybe sometimes we learn new songs, which is okay. We gather here to fellowship with one another, to to that. We gather here to hear God's word. We gather here to grow in our faith. Okay? And, and in, in this room, there are Christians at all different stages of spiritual growth. We have some that are brand new to the faith. So they're spiritual babies and they're and they're they're doing there's some who are very mature in the faith and, and know the word very well. There's there's people in this room right here. They're struggling with different issues in life. Some of you are struggling financially. Some of you are struggling with physical health. Some of you are struggling with relationships. In this room, we're all struggling. We're all struggling. I've learned this over the years. We all put this great veneer on, but underneath that veneer, you might be dying on the inside. I've done it. We all know that feeling and things like that. And so Paul says look, when you're gathered on Sunday or whenever you're going to gather, There are people with all different issues. Everybody, I don't care who you are, everybody in this room is struggling with something. And so Paul says, love the strugglers. Now some people are going to be irresponsible in the church. Warn them. Okay, tell them, look, you're going down a wrong road. You're gonna, you're gonna end, your road's going to end in disaster. You need to learn how to take care of your finances or whatever. You need to learn how to be a productive citizen. You're being irresponsible with how you're treating your body. And, and, and again, Paul says, hey, part of love is saying you're going down the wrong road. On the other hand, he says comfort people because everybody has moments of discouragement. You know, here's the thing. A lot of times we go through difficult times. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians. We go through difficult times in our life, and Paul says, you know, really the point of that, and God lets us go through it. He doesn't rescue us from it. Sometimes he does. Most of time he doesn't. But part of that is to grow you as a mature person so that you can then bring comfort to others who are going through the same thing. And so if you're going through struggles in, in, in your life, there may be somebody in the fellowship who can say, I really do understand What you're going through. I've been down that road. I understand what it's like to lose a loved one or a spouse or a child. I understand what it's like to go through some financial valleys. I understand that. I know what it's like to get that diagnosis. And again, we are to comfort those who are struggling, help the weak. Paul says so we're to warn, we're to comfort, we're to help. Again, there are people on different levels spiritually. So those of us who are spiritual, if you're a spiritual person, again, that doesn't mean that you've been a Christian for 50 years. It means you've learned and put into practice what you've learned, okay? Because you can be a Christian for 50 years and still be a baby, all right? So, but you, you've put into practice what you've learned and you see somebody who's struggling, help them in their faith that they're weak. And Paul says, be patient with everybody notice that be patient with who everyone not just the ones you like be patient with everybody because we all need patience once in a while don't we we all need people to be patient with us and when people see a body of people that are gathered that love their leaders that they love each other, that they're patient with each other, that when they see people making the wrong decisions, they don't beat them over the head, but they warn them, look, you're making, I'm telling you this out of love, you're going down the wrong path here. When they see that, when, when they see that a, a church gathers and they're like, How can these people get along? You know, even though they're all sinners, people are like, these people are different. I I want to know what the difference is. Act with self-sacrificing love. And finally, just love each other. Look at what he says in verse 15. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Our natural inclination, because we're all sinners, is to lash out, our natural inclination is to get even our natural inclination is to disconnect when we're hurt and Paul says no 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 I want you not to repay evil for evil but I want you to pursue what is good for each other for one another again so many times those church fights I know we all laugh and a lot of them are silly but the people who were involved in those fights I didn't think they were silly Somebody in that one church really thought that it was a bad use of funds to buy a weed eater. They probably argued, you can get down with those hand clippers and clip that grass off. Amen? You know, my granddaddy used to do it. Well, all right. And then there's people like, this is ridiculous. We can get a weed eater and get it done half the time or a quarter of the time. What, what's the big deal? It's 25 bucks, it's 50 bucks. Who cares? but here's the point when you have those big fights it's because everybody's pursuing their personal agendas rather than the good of the church okay so sometimes you got to step back and say maybe not the way I would do it but is it that big of a deal Eh, it's not that big of a deal is it gonna move us forward yeah All right. then you know I'm not I'm not gonna fight over a dime for crying out loud who cares all right. Now, if we're talking ten thousand dollars, we got a problem. Or hundreds of dollars, we got a problem. A dime, I can give you a dime. All right. But people get, and again, those that kind of fight was really a self-control fight. A, self, a control fight. Okay. Here's the thing. Paul says, "Look, pursue the good for everybody." What is the best thing? And again, I will tell you that churches get into fights when they forget their mission. Our mission here is to impact our community for Christ, okay? Our, com- our mission here is to grow in, in faith and to grow in love for, with Jesus Christ and with love for each other. That's our mission. Our vision is to be a diverse family united and impacting all people for Christ. That's our vision. Our vision is not to have the best manicured lawn on 21st Street, although our lawn looks pretty good. That's not our vision. All right? Our vision is to be a diverse family. So, when we have people come in, we love them. We welcome them. All right? We hope they stay. That's our vision. We teach the Bible because we want people to grow in their faith. We encourage each other, we strengthen each other. So, again, here is my question to you Are you loving with self-sacrificing love? Whether it's your friends, whether it's your family, whether it's your coworkers, the church. Are you willing to put your agendas on the back burner and love with a self-sacrificing love? And look, all of us have to constantly do that gut check constantly. Because we're all sinners and, all, and we all at times want to do our thing and lash out and things like that. And so this is a daily challenge for all of us. But Paul says, I want you guys are doing great but I want you to go just a little bit further keep this in front of you love your leaders love peace love the strugglers and love each other let's pray Heavenly Father I do thank you for Warren Baptist Church and I thank you for uh, the leaders of Warren Baptist Church and I thank you for the congregation here at Warren Baptist Church God this is, I believe, from everything I've seen over the last roughly four years, a church that truly loves you and a church that cares about each other. Father, we're a diverse church. Father, we all have different backgrounds. We're at different stages in our spiritual walk. And Father, we need each other in this church. And I just pray that when people walk into the doors of Warren Baptist they're not going to see a perfect church, but that they'll see a different church, a church where we do love them truly, and we love each other, and where we seek to follow you to do our best to have an impact in our community. Father, I thank you for the the young man who gave a couple dollars just for the blessing box because he had been touched by it this week. I thank you for that act of love and those in our church that staff that. I thank you for the two ladies that came to the clothing closet last Sunday to get help and for the many Spanish folks that we helped with clothes last week. I thank you, Father, that we have the opportunity to help people who may not have some clothing or nicer clothes or whatever they need. I thank you yesterday for the the folks that were helped uh, um, uh, spontaneously who came by that needed some clothing help. Lord, I thank you that we can do those things. Help us as a church, Father, to be at peace with each other, to love the strugglers, to love our leaders, and to love each other. Help us, Lord, to have that self-sacrificing love that Jesus had for us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.